Welcome to Unprofessional and Unprepared, our lighthearted weekly conversation about sports, life, fatherhood, and whatever else comes up with no script and no preparation. I'm your host, Jason Gerber, and this week, a beat-up Indians team somehow rolls into the all-star break with a little momentum, the NBA playoffs reach the finals, and we get serious off the field to solve a new crisis facing American men. I'm joined tonight by two of the best ever. Phil Danko is here. Hey, Gerbs. Thanks for having me. You bet, buddy. Chuck Rimbaldo is here as well. Chucky, how are you? I'm good, Gerbs. What's happening? Not too much, man. Phil, let's start with you. Last week, Zayla Avantgarde became the first African-American to win Scripps National Spelling Bee when she correctly spelled Mariah. Avantgarde, a 14-year-old from Harvey, Louisiana, has actually earned more recognition for her athletic prowess than her achievements in spelling. She's a basketball prodigy who has appeared in a commercial with Steph Curry and owns three Guinness World Records for dribbling multiple basketballs simultaneously. So, Phil, what can you do? Spell Mariah or dribble multiple basketballs at once? I could have a better chance of spelling Mariah. Would um, you like the definition? I'm going to, much like this young lady, I'm going to ask, is, is there a reference to a comedian in, in this, as in Bill Murray? I don't know if you saw that or not. It was awesome. Is that what she asked? She's like 13, and she asked about Bill Murray. <laughs> That's like, funny. Whoa, this woman's amazing. <laughs> All right, well. Uh, I'm going to go with M. So okay. far, so good. Yeah. But yeah, go ahead and give me the definition. Mariah is a genus of flowering plants in the citrus family, Rudicae. Would you like it in a sentence, Phil? Can I get Rudicae <laughs> defined? <laughs> no. All right. All right. Mar Mar Mariah? Yes, M Mariah. M-U-R. You going to the mall. Later. <laughs> uh, I'm going I'm to say another R. So far, so good? Thank you. This is not how this works. Spell the word, and I'll tell you afterwards. Damn it. M-U-R-R-Y-A. Murray A. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Phil. That is that is wrong. Yeah. Chuck, you want to take a shot? No. The only way I would spell it would be like the name, like Mariah, Mariah Carey. Carey right? That's how yeah. I would spell it. So, like, I didn't realize it was pronounced Mariah until I was getting ready for this, and it's M U R R A Y A, Mariah. And that's how she won. So, congratulations to uh, the young lady for winning the spelling bee. But why don't we move on? Start our first segment. We'll stay at home. We'll go with our tribe recap, and this was a terrible, almost season-changing week of losses, capped off with the fun of playing one of the worst teams in baseball. Uh, last weekend, the tribe was swept by the Astros. Then they were swept by the Rays during the week. They dropped to 500 for the first time in a long time and extended their losing streak to nine games. They fell back eight and a half games behind the White Sox. Uh, but then the offense picked the team up against Kansas City with two late home runs, including a walk-off. On Friday night, they walked off for a win again. On Saturday, they scored 14 runs and another win, and they got rained out today. So they finish before the All-Star break at 45 and 42. They're only seven and a half back. So considering they just lost nine games in a row, that's actually not, in my opinion, a very bad place for them to be after that. One of the most interesting nights of the week was Wednesday in the second game of a doubleheader against Tampa Bay. There was a seven-inning no-hitter, but was it actually a no-hitter? The Elias Brothers or whoever it is, the Elias Sports Group that does stats, those arrogant stat fucks, um, said <laughs> they would not count it as a no-hitter because it was only seven innings instead of a nine-inning game. Uh, there was also some controversy about whether there was a hit because Oscar Mercado hit the ball between two infielders for Tampa Bay. The infielders collided, 
ball went through and he got on base. They originally scored it as a hit, but then the Tampa Bay home official score changed it to an error later on. Uh, and the tribe actually took the step this week to have that reviewed to see whether Major League Baseball would change it from an error to a hit so this wouldn't be a no-hitter. Now, as you know, integrity and scorekeeping is very important to me. You guys could look back at any of the books I kept for our games in 1995, and there would be no inaccuracies, and there would be no homering in, in how these things were scored. I went back to episode 24 of this show, and that was where Chuck took the over uh, at three and a half on how many times the Indians would be no hit this year. Chuck, what's your best argument for why this should be considered a no hitter and should be part of your bet on the over? I don't know if I have a good argument other than <laughs> I took the over and I'm hoping it sticks because <laughs> then I'm only I'm, I'm, I'm close to cashing in, I guess, in, in the second half of the season. But I, I didn't see the play. Uh, I know two guys ran into each other. And like you're saying, I'm just basically saying what you're saying, that it was scored one way, then then changed. Um, I don't care that it was only seven innings either. It's now part when you're playing double headers at MLB games are seven innings. So I don't want an asterisk next to it. I don't want any tainted scoring. I just want it to be a no hitter. So I'm closer to that three and a half over that I took in episode 24. I agree with you on the seven inning thing. That seems ridiculous to me that they're not going to count it as a no hitter when that's how long the game is. Right. That's how long they're playing the game. How can you not count that as a no hitter just because like the rules changed? I think the, the bigger question is the scoring of it. Phil, did you watch? Did you see the play at all? And I didn't see the play. I just read about it after the fact. I know this is not the first seven inning game no hitter this year, though, in MLB that they've decided doesn't count as a no hitter. It right. happened in a, right. another doubleheader, too. Yeah. And I don't understand that. I, it, well, the game's over. We we didn't give up a hit. How is this right. not a no hitter? Yeah, yeah. I'm like, we'll play another two if you want. The Indians yeah, right. weren't getting a hit that night. <laughs> they could have yeah, right. kept playing. <laughs> they could have gotten to nine. I don't think that was going to be a problem for them because uh, at that point in the week, the Indians' offense was uh, was not doing great. But another aspect of this week for the Indians that was important, I think, was there were a lot of moves. A lot of guys going up. A lot of guys coming down this week. I think Mercado probably proves to be maybe the most significant move of the week. So, Phil, what do you think? Oscar Mercado had a great week. He hit 400 this week. He's obviously an improvement on defense. Is this guy an answer for us in an outfield that's been pretty mediocre to terrible all season? I really hope so. Oscar Mercado had a really good week. You know, we started to see this out of that kid toward, was it two seasons, the end of two seasons ago? End of 19, like, yeah. This could be an everyday outfielder. He can play defense. He, you know, he's going to hit toward the bottom of the lineup, but he's going to get hits. That's what we saw this week. I hope that continues. I looked at the lineup one day and our outfield was Mercado, Zimmer, and Harold Ramirez all three of whom have played outfield in the major leagues <laughs> yeah, many yeah. times. I'm like, all right, this is good. Although you wouldn't always be able to tell from watching Harold Ramirez play well, that he's been know, out there for guy. an entire career because <laughs> yeah. he, he can be pretty rotten sometime. That's the thing is all of a sudden guys can start playing like natural positions for real. And maybe it makes, and I don't know, Chucky, what you think of if Mercado hits, does this make Zimmer expendable, even though he's a good defensive player? because he's still not really hitting. Right. So I'd rather have the offense if Merc I'm not saying Mercado is going to hit 400 for the rest of the year. I don't think that's going to happen. It's nice to see that he had a really good season, like you said, two years ago, and then the slump, sophomore slump, and, and now he's back. I would rather have a guy with a stick who can somewhat produce than a really good defensive outfielder. That's all. You really are trying to be Tom tonight. <laughs> I am. <laughs> Heck of a stick on that guy. Heck of a stick. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you got to get the offense with the way the lineup is right now. You have to have the offense, but it's nice to have 
good defensive outfielders. Maybe Zimmer wouldn't disappear from them. He wouldn't be sent down or something. He may stick around just to be like a late inning defensive guy to sub in for Harold Ramirez, like late in a game when they're winning or something like that. Uh, without a doubt, it's been a crazy 10 days for that team with injuries, the pitching staff moving around like crazy. A nine game losing streak is just awful, but it was kind of nice for them to take three of three from even a lousy team. Chuck, where do you think this team is headed after the all-star break i would have liked them not to get rained out today because i would have liked to seen them sweep have this momentum going into yeah. the second half but i know they have the a's they have the rays they have the astros and i think the royals are in there again which is which is nice yeah uh, it's nice so, to have them around man i'm still somewhat in awe that they're doing this well at the all-star break with all the injuries they have with everybody not really hitting all that great. I don't know if their record ends up like carbon copied what it is now. I would have loved to have that game today and have a sweep going in because momentum's a big thing uh, in any sports. And, and it would have been nice for them to come out of the break feeling good about themselves after beating up a really shitty team. I, I don't know, man. I don't know. I think I was actually okay with it getting rained out today because that <laughs> means they still went into the break with a sweep. And so we didn't yeah. have to risk that. Like we won those three games and then you lose it in a silly way today or something you lose a little bit of that momentum I, th I think that was all right although it does mean they've already got like four double headers on the schedule for the second half because they had so many rainouts this year Phil what do you think what do you see from this team in the last week week and a half that might give us an idea of where it's headed for the second half of the season on the positive side of that I, I like what the middle of the lineup has turned into you know yep. that that J Ram Bradley Reyes middle of the lineup is that's a legitimate middle of the lineup. So to get Framil back, that was huge. And, and hopefully those three can stay consistent and healthy in the second half. Cause that, that really changes the offense for sure. Tristan McKenzie had a, an excellent start this week. We need someone from this group of, Hey, you're a starter now. Welcome to the big league club to, yeah. to give us a couple wins here. You know, police act, they purposely only let him throw four. So I'm sure his next start they'll, all right, he's going to be throw five right. or six. He'll get some more. It. Sure. They'll stretch him out a bit, but you know, they're, they're just biding time. They've got the rest of July until Savale and Bieber might be back. So unfortunately, like Chuck had mentioned, you start that with the A's, the Astros, in the race. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, that's gonna be tough. So I, I, my fear is the last few weeks of July only widens this gap between us and the white Sox, uh, because I think the white Sox are in the midst of playing the twins and the Royals and the tigers <laughs> while we're playing those yeah. other teams. Yeah. And then all of a sudden we get to August, we've got 60 days of baseball left and the, the gap is too wide to even make up. Yeah. So I'm really hoping that some of these young pitchers come through and we maybe not win all the series, but in the course of a week, like we look at like, all right, if there's seven games, can we win four? It would be nice. Like you're saying to get to a point where Bieber and Savali come back and be in this five to seven games behind the White Sox area, because I think with 60 days to go in the season or maybe a little bit more than that, you'd feel OK about their chances of making a run and catching the White Sox. So that's pretty, pretty optimistic, I think, to think that that may still happen. But it's definitely not going to happen if they're 13 games back at the end of July because they've gone on another seven or eight game losing streak because the teams they have to play and they just don't have the pitching. Chucky, who had a good week this week for the Indians. I'm going to say it was nice to have Reyes back and I know what his stat line was but to get a walk-off winner out of a guy to again solidify the middle of the lineup with a power hitter. I'm going to say he had a good week. I thought, again, Bobby Bradley had a pretty good week, maybe just because of the walk-off stuff. Those things carry dudes for a couple weeks 
further, you know, like, yeah. and I'm, I'm hoping Phil put it really eloquently. The middle of the lineup seems solid. If it stays solid and you're getting some decent pitching, it might not be as brutal as we think it's going to be over the next couple of weeks, but I, I'm going to stick with, uh, I'm going to say Rays. It's nice to have that dude back in the lineup. It's not just the walk-off. The dude's, he's hitting. Yeah. If he'd hit 260 for the rest of the year, man, I think we'd be thrilled with that. What do you think, Phil? Who had a good week? I'm going to give it to Roberto Perez. Welcome back to the squad. That is huge. And uh, I think he played in four of the six games this week. From what I saw, he was, uh, he had a a three run home run the other night, but he, he had got, he gotten a hit or two in every game that he played. I know this isn't really something they, they keep stance on, but I have to imagine that only helps settle down this young pitching staff too. Oh yeah. Have Perez behind the dish. You know, you're controlling these young guys that clearly have the stuff, but don't know what they're doing yet. Uh, so that maybe that helps this battery kind of navigate these next couple of weeks. That would be something if that guy could help out a guy like McKenzie, who seems to have all the skills in the world, but his head just isn't wrapped up yet enough in the game to, to get through consecutive good starts. Maybe Perez helps that guy a lot. Uh, and he had 313 this week. So, I mean, that was really great to have him back and have another bat that was that was hitting. I had Reyes, who I think was having a good week by Tuesday, and then just kept getting better the rest of the week. Uh, and Mercado had a good week, too. So, Philly, who had a bad week for the Tribe? This is nitpicking, but I'm going to give it to our, our, our head guy. I'm going to give it to Tito. I think uh, he had Ooh. a bad week navigating controversial i yeah. like it Phil. Na- navigating the the <laughs> this is gonna get clicks the end of... <laughs> thank god <laughs> is that what we're after here Clicks. all right something <laughs> um yeah navigating a, a nine game losing streak i'm sure he was uh going nuts the reason i'm giving it to him and again I'm, I'm nitpicking this is almost like giving a bad week to a starting pitcher that only had one start in the in the midst of the week right is when he got tossed in a game that the indians end up winning he gets tossed on a crazy play at third base i don't know if you right. saw it or not yeah but was so emotionally just distraught that he didn't even realize like hey we can we, we can, can challenge challenge him. this yeah. play yeah. <laughs> so he's getting he's getting booted he's halfway down the tunnel to to go take a shower or whatever and then realize that hey i can challenge this play and had they challenged it they would have won the challenge anyway and potentially won the game right there but again ended up winning anyway so i know kind of harsh but i'm gonna give it to tito yeah and i think that's hilarious because Imagine if he was coaching the Yankees and did that, what the New York media would, would do to him. But in Cleveland, we're kind of, we love you so much, Tito, that like, ah, well, it's kind of funny that you made that mistake. Chucky, how about you? Who had a bad week? I feel like right now I did because I should have called Tito before we got to the segment because that was going to be it. Again, I know it's nitpicky, but you had an yeah. option to challenge it and you did not. And it was a weird play and all that stuff. But I thought, man, I, I read, I was reading an article afterwards and he really didn't put it all on him himself there he, he he gave the catcher credit uh yeah. instead of saying I, I made a really bad mistake here and, and thank god bobby bradley hits that walk off but i, I was yeah. actually going to give it to tito too so fuck i should have called tito before philly <laughs> got out of his mouth well i'm going to go even further off the field into the front office and say that jay hennessy who is the vice president of baseball learning and development did not have a good week because somehow this team can't bunt run bases or play the outfield with any fundamentals. And I didn't even know they had a vice president of baseball learning and development, but I put it on Mr. Hennessy's hands. Uh, the buck stops with you. Somebody teach these guys some fundamentals. I would also go with the law firm of Alan Henches and Mejia because all three of those guys were, were pretty awful in any of their outings this week. But that's it for the last week for the tribe. Um, the all-star break has begun, so they're not going to have games again 
this week until Friday and they start a road trip against the A's on Friday. What's the best thing that can happen during the all-star break for the Indians? No one gets arrested and no one gets hurt. (laughs) (laughs) Easy enough. Chucky, how about you? (laughs) I would assume the best thing would be a lot of these guys can just relax from that grind that's been the last month with yeah, a lot it has of games been a long going month. on yep so th- that's the best thing can happen guys maybe get away from it for a little bit and recharge batteries and, and come back facing a really tough stretch for the next three series i'm with you guys just stay healthy don't get hurt i didn't even think about the nobody get arrested thing but that's a really good <laughs> idea too um, but mostly just stay healthy so that's it for the unofficial first half of the season for the Indians. Um, we will be back again, obviously, next week and talk about that first series against the A's. But why don't we move on to our 13 Shades of Brown, our 13-week series getting ready for the Cleveland Browns season. And I don't know if you guys remember, but at the end of spring training, we did one of our previews for the Indians. We played should they have stayed or should they have goad? And so we're going to play that again. Should they have stayed or should they have goad? This is the pre-camp edition because I think we'll have some more movement, obviously, as training camp heats up here in the next few weeks and um, the team starts kind of cutting that roster down to what will be the final one when the season starts. I'm just going to go through some names, guys, and you guys tell me whether or not at this point it was a good idea for the Browns to keep the player or if it was okay if they moved on or they should have moved on. So we'll start with Richard Hollywood Higgins. Chuck, should he have stayed or should he have goad? He should have stayed. Uh, he obviously has a, a good bit of chemistry with Baker Mayfield. Uh, he became a really good option as a third wide receiver. I was ecstatic when they re-signed him because he showed a little bit early. I'm not saying he's a game breaker or anything like that, but he's a reliable receiver who Baker Mayfield seems to find when he needs to, at least last year. So I'm glad he has stayed. Yeah, definitely stayed. I, I think Hollywood is that receiver you see in the NFL that all of a sudden he he leaves in free agency. He goes to a team that wants to try to push him into that one or two slot. And then he's exposed for what he really is. And he's right. just not that elite of a wide receiver yet. He's a young kid uh, and he has this chemistry with, with Baker Mayfield. And there's a lot to be said about that over the landscape of the NFL as well. You have chemistry with your quarterback for whatever reason, Baker Mayfield finds you when you're open. And I think going into this season with the offensive weaponry, people might not even cover Higgins. <laughs> so that'll be great for him. Well, that's going to be fantastic. <laughs> yeah. That's going to be really Best good. offensive strategy Pick ever. Pick him up on your fantasy team for sure. <laughs> I'm with you guys. Three for three. We're, I'm glad Hollywood is, is still in town with the Browns. BJ Goodson was a linebacker who got a ton of playing time with the Browns last year and, and actually had some really solid games for them. He was a free agent at the end of last season. They didn't re-sign him. He is still a free agent and has not been picked up by anybody. Are you surprised by that, Phil? Yeah, a little bit. I think he's a bit older, right? I, I think we we got a good year out of him last yeah. year, um, and, and we needed that in the line in, in the linebacker group, right? I mean, we needed experience. We needed someone that could kind of manage that part of the team, so to speak, and he did a good job, but he's older, and I believe our Cleveland Browns upgraded that position such that he would never make this roster anyway. Goad is fine. I think Phil <laughs> yeah. put it very well. Um, <laughs> he was a guy who probably overachieved last year uh, in a really thin linebacking core that was substantially upgraded over the past few months. So I, it actually surprised me that he's been picked up anywhere. Yeah. It seemed like he'd be perfect for Jacksonville or somebody along those lines. Right. But yeah. I'm, I'm surprised he's nowhere, but Goad is okay. Yeah. I'm good with him being moving on from the team. I'm just surprised that nobody picked him up. Uh, we've talked some during our free agent conversations about the Browns in the last couple of months. 
about the decision to cut Sheldon Richardson instead of bringing him back. He goes back to Minnesota on a one-year $3.6 million deal, which is way less than I think what the Browns were paying him last season. Is that a deal, Chuck, you think the Browns could have gotten done for that guy? And would it have been a decent move? I think it would have been a decent move, but it's more a decent move for depth, right? He didn't play terrible, but there was a blueprint in place, I think, before the season ended for them to remake this defense uh, because it was just so glaringly in need of playmakers. And I'm not saying in free agency, they they brought in guy. I mean, he was he a tackle or edge? He was a tackle, right? Tackle. Tackle. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if they super addressed it with the guys they brought in or the guys they drafted, but I guess I'm kind of Half stayed, half goad. If you would have got him, oh, right. like, yeah, like stowed. Is that the right word? Stowed. Yeah. Like stowed. Um, if you would have got him at that deal, I don't think that's a huge cap hit. And the guy's he's proved he's a pretty decent player and, and for depth, but it doesn't doesn't break my heart that he's not here. I'd like stowed. to see avant garde spelled stowed. <laughs> Let's see if she has that one in her uh, in her bag. Could they have made a move for and kept Richardson at that kind of price, I guess? And would there have been some value there for them to do that? Yeah, I think they could have. I, I think they may have actually offered him that same amount of money. And he just chose, all right, if it was a little bit more or for whatever reason, I'm going back to Minnesota. You know, from his standpoint, the Vikings are a potential contender as well. You got to think the Browns are probably yes. a better chance yeah. of contending than the Vikings. But, you know, he played so long for Minnesota. And, and then might just be all right hey i'm gonna go home i have a home there my family's there who knows what else played into right. that that yeah. decision uh, but to answer your question yeah i think the browns could have offered him 3.6 and they would have never really noticed that on the books okay chucky cody parkey our kicker is staying <laughs> what do you think this is oh man it's really hard here because i don't think anybody's ever happy with the kickers in cleveland unless it's phil dawson i don't, oh, I don't know Barr? If- you're not oh, a Matt okay. Barr fan? So so two guys in 30 <laughs> plus years. Yeah. Name another kicker you were happy with. I know this because... It's not really fair because Dawson was here for like 26 of those years. Right. But <laughs> what, what you always hear watching every game is when they're kicking into the dog, how, how hard it is to kick when the wind swirls. It'd be nice to have a real reliable dude. I would love Phil Dawson to have been 15 years younger and still be on this team. But I think it's always going to be a tough place to kick. So whoever they bring here... Nobody's going to be super happy about the guy unless he's booting 70-yard field goals into the wind. So I want to say it's a, such a non-issue until the kicker loses us like two games this year, and then yeah. I'll be super riled up about it. <laughs> We're going to save this. Yeah. Phil, what do you think? I really thought that the open kicking tryouts during the draft would have come up with someone <laughs> someone to replace Cody Parkey, but apparently none of the drunk 23-year-olds impressed <laughs> enough. <laughs> Obviously, the Browns need a kicker, and they have one in Cody Parkey. I don't know if they're going to bring – and who knows? They may bring someone in to challenge him in in training camp or or what have you. I would like a kicker who, when they line up for the extra point, it's going through the uprights most of the time. Yeah. I don't know about you guys, and I'm sure – I definitely don't know how the team feels, but there is no more – bigger momentum killer than hey we just marched down the field scored a touchdown and missed the extra point like yeah ah, yeah (laughs) we're gonna lose this game by one aren't we (laughs) Um, but yeah so you know we need to fill the position right now it's cody parkey we'll see what happens as uh, training camp rolls on yeah i would love to think that they can go and find somebody who's just more consistent than that guy i think he kicked for the bears before the browns and he sucked there too so i'm not sure I, i put it all on swirling wind at Cleveland Stadium. Okay, last one. Low-hanging fruit, almost too easy. Phil Anderson Dejo. Oh, should he have stayed or should he have goad? He should have stayed for the our podcast alone. Um, <laughs> now, 
for the quality of the football team on the field, he should have goad and I'm glad he goad. <laughs> <laughs> There's going to be a huge gap in, in our fall pod season without, yeah. Sendejo. Without a Sendejo moment. Yeah. Right now. It's going to be empty. Chuck, do you have anything to add to that? No, I'm just a carbon copy. Like stayed because it would have been better for the pod in the fall. Goad because he wasn't all that great. That's almost too easy. I'm nobody's happier than well, maybe Tom is happier that he's gone because he really disliked him the most. But that's it for another segment of 13 Shades of Brown as we get ready for the start of the NFL season, which is actually coming up much more quickly than you might realize, even though it's still the middle of the summer. But with that, fellas, why don't we go ahead and take our first break? We'll come back and head out on the road. Unprofessional and Unprepared is proud to be supported by and to use Marble Mouth Mouthwash. I'm sure you probably think the smooth-talking sons of bitches on Unprofessional and Unprepared never misspeak, fumble over their words, or slur multiple sentences into one long, jumbled mess of nouns and verbs. But you would be wrong. Like anyone else, we used to get nervous, talk too fast, or drink just enough to make ourselves sound ridiculous. For instance, why don't we go ahead and take our first break, and uh, when we come back, we'll head off the road. Or on the road. Yeah, fuck it. Bobby Bradley's got a nice dick and he's... Theodore Roosevelt. All right, we'll start that over again. I'm your host, Jason Gerber, and this week we discuss tribe spring... In Back a little bit. Interested. Yeah, right. Uninterested yeah, right, right, right. in the whole. Oh, season. that's a tough one. Uninterested. Right. Been broadcast in high definition since stick. But that was before we found Marble Mouth Mouthwash, and our free podcast broadcasting careers took off. Marble Mouth Mouthwash is specially blended to provide splendid pronunciation, enunciation, and locution. When used as recommended by dentists and real doctors, Marble Mouth Mouthwash. We'll have you tackling the toughest tongue twisters like a seasoned pro. Ready to sound like you speak good? Then this product for you would be good. Marble Mouth Mouthwash. Clean it up. Welcome back, fellas. We'll go into our second segment. We'll head out on the road and start with the NBA Finals, currently going on between the Phoenix Suns and the Milwaukee Bucks. First two games went to the Suns after strong performances by Chris Paul and Devin Booker, both in Game 1 and Game 2. They are playing tonight for the first game in Milwaukee in the series, and we're at halftime right now. Bucks are up by about 15, so looking pretty good in game three to get a must-needed win. But, Phil, are the Bucks secretly shitty? <laughs> <laughs> Which, by the way, was going to be a hilarious question if Phil didn't have to sub in for Tom tonight. Because <laughs> then it would have been really funny because he'd be like, no, Phil's not here, Gerber. But anyway, well, uh, are the Bucks secretly shitty, Phil? I can answer that like like Burke would have right out of the bat. Um, I think I heard that on last week's pod and the week before <laughs> that's pod. Yeah. Yep. Um, I'm willing to say the Bucks are not secretly shitty and actually are a pretty decent team that have three options for scoring that aren't quite as good as the Suns three options for scoring. That's interesting. Obviously, they're a good team because they made it to the finals. I just think they made it on the backs of injuries to their opponents. And I think they're shitty. Chuck, do you think they're shitty? <laughs> I don't. I've never thought they're shitty. You've never always, thought they were shitty. Yeah, you've always I've been always a Bucks somewhat supporter. defended them. Yeah. Uh, even though I'm, I'm, I want to see the Suns win this series. I don't care if they swept them, but I never thought the Bucks were that shitty. Phil's, they, they have three, three really good players, and Middleton seems like he's somewhat showing up tonight. So yeah, um, he's playing really. He's got 15 in the first half. Yeah, he's playing so well I tonight. Don't, I don't think they're secretly shitty. So Chuck, who wins the series? The Suns. How many? How many games do you think it's going to go? Six. 
All right, not bad. So that so you you're expecting the Bucks to put up a fight. I think they will. Yeah, Phil, what do you think? I, I think the Suns win the series. I think six would be good. I'm going to say it goes five though. I think the Bucks win tonight, and that's it. Yeah, I've got that feeling too. I, I think the Suns are definitely going to take one of these games in Milwaukee. Um, I mean, so it's a 15 point game at half, which in the NBA means almost nothing when it's seven minutes left in the game and it's a 15 point spread. We can start saying the Bucks are going to win the Suns in five is, is probably a, a pretty good bet. I'm just not sure. I think the Bucks would have gotten here except for injuries to the Nets and even um, that kid in Atlanta who uh, Trey Young. You know, he he got hurt, missed a game, was obviously not 100 percent when he came back and when the, the Bucks closed out that series. Is there any regret that Giannis is feeling right now for signing a huge extension and tying himself to this team? I don't think so, man. It's refreshing that he did. Can I put it that way? When we when we were from a city where you see your superstars leaving, a guy said, I'm good enough possibly generational talent. He's a really great basketball player. And usually other great basketball players in the NBA for the last 10 years want to play with even greater players. So I think he maybe thought I started here. I want to win here. I can attract other talent here. So I don't think there's regret there. I mean, he's in the finals. They're in the finals this year. So no. Yeah. I don't think he regrets it. I I think along the lines of what Chuck was saying, I think he's hopeful that some other NBA stars will join him in Milwaukee. The NBA, much better than MLB, but not quite as even as the NFL. You know, I don't know about the Bucks ownership, but at the same time, like salary wise, like, all right, he's got a max deal staying with that team. They could bring another all star on board uh, in their current roster if the owner wants to pay for him. And why wouldn't some of these other young stud talented players in the NBA want to go play with Giannis? I mean, that, that's they're in the finals. Like Chuck said, like, all right, they might be a piece away from dominating the East or at least competing with the Nets if they can stay healthy. I think the problem is, is that I don't think he's going to attract other free agents to Milwaukee for the same reason LeBron would struggle to attract guys to Cleveland. Like, I don't think dudes want to go play and live for the season in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I think that's a problem. I think if I'm him, I'm a little bit worried that this team they've put together right now might be the best team he has for a little bit. If they get bounced in five, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm him, I'm a little bit worried that, whoa, I'm, I'm stuck here for the next seven years and they may not be able to bring in a lot of help. I can carry this team to the conference finals in the East every year, but that's that might be it. And I'm not sure I can get to the finals. I'm not sure I can win the finals again. So if I was young, I love the fact that he stayed. I love the fact that he signed that deal and he wanted to stay with the team and he wants, you know, wants to support the city. Uh, I'd be a little bit nervous if I were him. Let me ask this question, yeah. though. In in today's NBA, if it's three years from now, is he really stuck in that, Milwaukee? That's true. If he, right? Like, nobody's stuck yeah. anymore. They can go wherever they want. They could pitch a shit fit and, and like, James Harden and move on. You know, like, I don't, I don't know in three years if he's yeah. still there. That's a 100% fair point. But usually when you see that happening is you're seeing it like when um, Anthony Davis left to go to the Lakers. He had a year and a half left on his deal and said, just so you guys know, when that next year is up, I'm not re-signing with you no matter what. And so that that put the pressure on them to, to make the move. If Giannis has six years left, he probably has to wait four years before he can he can pull that card. Four pretty important years in his career that I don't think he can just dive out of Milwaukee if he wants to. Well, anyway, enough about the finals. We'll be back next week to talk about it some more and ask Phil one final time for the season. <laughs> <laughs> if the Bucks are secretly shitty. But we were really lucky 
to be Phil's friend last night because of our entire group. I'm pretty sure that Phil was the only one who watched UFC 264. And we are lucky enough to get Phil's moment by moment recap of the entire event. So Phil, I'd like to go through your text messages from last night and all the information you passed on. This was a vodka fueled tirade. <laughs> Let's hear it. <laughs> that was an honor of Burke. Lucky to have Phil and his moment by moment text recap of last night's UFC event. So we'll start with the first text message, which came in at 1106 Eastern Saturday night. Berkey, I regret to inform you that this Russian chick just got her ass kicked in the first round of this <laughs> UFC fight. Anyone want to live pod the McGregor Poirier three fight? Let me know. So the fight you were talking about was uh, the women's bantam weight. It was Irene Alda uh, against Yana Kunitskaya. Phil, what was Akita? Irene Alda's win in that fight. Um, the Russian woman was blocking a lot of her punches with her face. <laughs> was the <Okay>. problem? <laughs> and there was only seconds into that fight, you could tell that was a, that was a bad plan. Okay. <laughs> so moving forward through Denko's live recap of UFC 264. Next text message: Baker Mayfield is ringside with a matching satin shirt and pants combo. You guys should see this shit. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> next text message. So it's Baker and Joku and Hooper ringside with Chuck Liddell on one side and Dave Chappelle on the other. The Browns are big time fellows exclamation point. <laughs> next text message. Fat guy just won this heavyweight fight one minute in then slammed a beer out of a shoe. WTF question mark. This is basically pro wrestling without the choreography. He's walking through the crowd, drinking beers out of people's shoes. Motherfucker better be vaccinated. <laughs> So that fight, Phil, was uh, Ty Tuivasa, who was the guy mm -hmm. drinking beers out of his shoes. And somehow in your text recap for us and for this show, you failed to mention that the guy he beat was Greg Hardy, former NFL defensive end. Did, did you realize that that was Greg Hardy that he was fighting? No, no, I knew it was Greg Hardy. I, I, I buried the lead there uh, because I was on my third vodka drink at that point and could not believe this guy had just jumped into the crowd and they were pouring their own beers into their own shoes and handing them to him. And he was drinking them. And one Jeez. dude spiked it with a bottle of hot sauce. And that guy like start like dry heaving in the middle. I'm like, this is a terrible, this is <laughs> oh, terrible. Man. What are you doing? <laughs> UFC? What is happening right now? So Chuck, Greg Hardy must be quite an athlete considering that he played in the NFL at the highest level possible and was a pro bowler. And now he's fighting on pay-per-view UFC cards. Right. Do you think that makes him a good person now? No, he is <laughs> fucking pond scum in a yeah, piece he's of shit terrible, right? who okay, should not good. be able to compete anywhere professionally ever again. So I'm glad he got his ass kicked he got inside. His ass First round, beat. right? Is that what you said? Oh, yeah. It was a oh, yeah. into the oh, good. Yeah. ass beat. Although I'll tell you what, for a guy who's only been fighting MMA for like four years or something like that, or five years, like he's actually gotten pretty good at it for somebody who is new to it. But he's still a horrible horrible person but i guess it tells you something about the ufc that they'll put that guy on a card when the nfl won't even let him play on a team anymore next text message mcgregor broke his leg stepping back from a strike with five seconds left in the first round that sucks obj in attendance too go browns uh, that was actually the end of phil's coverage poirier mcgregor three ends with a really odd injury although i wasn't watching any of it but what i read about throughout the day to day was that it looked like Poirier was in control and in command from 
the jump and the McGregor didn't look like he was quite up to the task. I think the biggest question that comes out of that fight and Chucky, I'll start with you. You think this is the last time we see McGregor as an elite UFC fighter? I don't know if he's been an elite UFC fighter for the last year. It's the last two fights, right? Easily his last two fights. So yeah. I thought about that this morning because I, uh, as I have said on the pod multiple times, I hate seeing those injuries. I don't want to see it. I don't want to see the frozen frame of his leg or knee or whatever buckled and is pointing the wrong way. The guy brought a lot of eyes for a lot of years to the UFC and could he have a career doing something? Yeah, man. Like he has so much charisma uh, and people either love to love him or love to hate him. And that is a really big deal not many people can do that uh they're not super polarizing like he is but ultimately he probably should never fight in the ufc again uh i would hope because all, you, all you're doing at this point is like you're, you're tainting whatever legacy that you had as as a premier fighter uh five three to five years ago so uh could he end up maybe in like a wwe ring and have a 10-year career and draw a lot of money yeah because he'll yeah. always draw money somewhere it just shouldn't be there anymore he just shouldn't get in the ring anymore or the octagon Sorry. What do you think, Phil? Are we, you think you see him fight again at all in the UFC, Phil? I think we'll see him fight again in the UFC because of his pride. I don't think we'll see him fight at an elite level in the UFC again. He was getting destroyed in that first round. Now, now the title match, that's five-minute round, so that is an eternity. Yeah, that's, um, that's tough. Yeah, yeah for yeah. sure. The injury literally occurred with 10 seconds left in the first round. So before that, he was going to be saved by the bell, so to speak, at the end of that first round. Uh, Poirier had him on the ground and had him in submission hold and was just beating him to death in the, in the, on the ground the entire time. And he, he couldn't do anything about it. He was, he was not strong enough to get out of there and clearly not strong enough to even take a step back after that either. <laughs> <Broke his leg. laughs> but, uh, yeah. but I think the guy to Chuck's point, the guy, the guy definitely moves the needle. So he's going to, he's going to fight again in the UFC because it's going to make a ton of money, not going to fight well, and he's going to continue to make a lot of money some other way, be it these celebrity boxing death match things or whatever the hell, yeah. you know, maybe, maybe he'll lay waste to the Paul brothers. And we'll yeah, all that's what about I was about that. to ask yeah, you. Yeah. 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 Like, are, they, are they next in line to yeah, fight Conor be, McGregor? Well, and there are how much would you pay to, to watch guy. that one? Yep. Yeah. So that, I wouldn't yeah, that's pay how, for it. One of the Paul, I don't know which one, the one who's the better fighter of the Paul yeah. brothers had a hundred thousand dollar chain made that has McGregor like basically when he knocked got out. knocked out. Yeah. 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 And he's like, yeah. I hope you win the fight because if you lose, then there's no money in it. Like this piece of shit is talking yeah. to an established <laughs> fighter. Yeah. Fighter. Oh my yeah. God. One of, one of oh. the legends of the UFC for right. sure. Yeah. That's, yeah. Like a YouTube star is calling him like, please somebody yeah. knock his fucking head off. I would hope it would be uh, McGregor at some point. Well, with that spirit in mind, let's talk about the Olympics. <laughs> Smooth transition. <laughs> <You like that? laughs> so the Olympics start on July 23rd in Tokyo. We got to talk about some of the events, but I think the biggest news that came out this week was that Japan announced that there would be no spectators for any Olympic events. Phil, what do you think of that? I think that's terrible. The Olympics are all about the spectators, right? Yeah, like you get all yeah. these countries into these stadiums and you've got these sections with flags waving and national anthems being sung. I, I know it's all about the money and the TV contract, of course. But when I heard that, I almost thought, like, all right, push it back another year. Just just do them both next year, the winter and the summer and and get the people in the stands from all these countries. Yeah, I, for whatever reason, and I'm sure it's all money based. They weren't going to move this again, no matter what. Uh, Chucky, what do you think? We got used to watching sports with nobody in the stands for for over a year. 
And I guess this kind of just carries on, but I, I understand what the point is here. Hundreds of nations competing and basically in a city that's seeing a spike, at least in, in COVID cases. But I don't know if it takes away all that much for me uh, when I'm watching it, because that doesn't matter. I've watched basketball now, baseball, football, basically every sport without yeah. fans in the stands. So, I mean, I'm, I'm going to watch it either way. I, I don't think it'll be that big a deal, although I will say that there were still basketball was still weird to watch without spectators and, and i feel like this will this will be too but i mean i guess if they want to go forward with it they want to go forward with it so we're going to have some time i'm sure as the olympics are going to talk about some of the the bigger events and the bigger sports i mean obviously one of the fun things about the olympics is you get to see a lot of sports played that you don't normally see so we're going to talk about some of the lesser known sports starting july 24th the equestrian competition begins who knows where i'm going with this one Medina spirit. No, <laughs> that's not a bad guess. <laughs> Medina spirit, not allowed to compete. Bob Baffert, not allowed at the Olympics. Springsteen's daughter, Jessica Springsteen is on team USA's equestrian team. Really? Um, she wow. is apparently like a, like a really well-known, really accomplished equestrian athlete. She's going to be riding a horse named Don Juan Van Donkove, which sounds like the name a little kid would give an imaginary friend. <laughs> so Chuck scale of one to five, one being born to run five being Mary queen of Arkansas. How good at horse riding do you think Jessica Springsteen will be for team USA Two, because she was born into a life of privilege and is taking part in a, in a sport that, um, requires being Only, born into a life of privilege pretty much yeah so yeah, i'm yeah, gonna say yeah. it too you have to own a horse <laughs> yeah. Yeah. go with it too i don't know too many kids are coming out of like rough neighborhoods and like downtown urban areas are i don't believe becoming so equestrian yeah. athletes. <laughs> phil what do you think one being born to run five being mary queen of arkansas which if you don't know is widely at least in my mind considered to be the worst springsteen song ever put on an album what do you think yeah phil? i got i got the scale i yeah, I'd give this a, a one and a half to two as well. I'm, I, I like the horse's name. I, I like the uh, Spanish Russian uh, tie in there. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we got to get Berkey's opinion on this. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's equestrian. This year, for the very first time, three on three basketball is an Olympic event. Uh, starting also on July 24th, the U.S. men's three on three basketball team did not qualify for the Olympics. So there'll be no men's what? team. <laughs> Oh. The women's team made it. Stephanie Dolson, Alicia Gray, Kelsey Plum, Katie Lou Samuelson uh, are the four women that will play for Team USA for three-on-three -three basketball. They're all on uh, WNBA teams, and they were undefeated in the qualifying tournament. They basically beat the hell out of everybody they played to get there. Phil, how pissed will you be if our women's three-on-three -three basketball team does not bring home the gold? really pissed really pissed i don't even need a scale for this as pissed as you could be yeah yeah that's um, why i didn't so, make one yeah <laughs> so this is three on is this like nba jam style full court three on three or no no half it's half court? court what are they doing yeah it's oh, half court it's like the man. three on three league that they have it's like the big three right yeah the big so, three okay, yeah yeah, yeah. Didn't, didn't Ice Cube run that league? Right, that's that? what I'm going to yeah, say. Yeah, is, yeah. is Ice Cube involved? Is that why the men didn't make it? Because Ice Cube was on the team? No, you <laughs> know, this a, and get like a a, double. <laughs> was like a weird thing that they, the women's team was all WNBA players and the yeah. men's three-on-three -three team was all like, like, uh, like, players? No, it was like, a, it was like <laughs> small D1 college players. 
Like who who the fuck are who these guys? There's like a guy idea. from like, like Colgate was on the team. Why is there a guy from Colgate on the team? You know, why do they, do they even have a team? That's that's messed up. Why would why wouldn't they use USA basketball has an entire team, a B team, to play against the men's team right. as they're practicing? Why not pick some guys from that team to play on the three yeah. and three tournament? Yeah. When you're who, done, who do I need to call. When you're <laughs> done practicing ridiculous. against like yeah. Kevin Love and these yeah. guys, why don't you yeah. go ahead and just, you know, shoot a little bit on the side and we'll see if you guys can <laughs> beat the rest of the world in three on three basketball. I have no idea. Last one. I didn't even know this was an event ever in the Olympics, but apparently it's been one since 2000, starting on July 30th trampoline competition oh i did know it's this. a gymnastics event i don't believe any u.s men qualified for the trampoline but we will be represented by nicole azinger she placed 15th at the rio olympics when she was 16 years old and she's coming back again uh this year for the olympics and representing the team phil the u.s has never won a medal in the trampoline is this the year yes okay <laughs> <laughs> I'm aware of the trampoline competition because Dong Dong for uh, one of the Koreas <laughs> is a medalist in the trampoline. Dong, um, Dong, was, Dong. Dong Dong won it in 2012. <laughs> yeah, for I He's on like the Chinese that. team. <laughs> oh, and um, I wanted to make a joke with Burke here about whether he would qualify for a loan. <laughs> um, I also thought Dong Dong was just too too easy a joke to make. So that's why I didn't bring that up. But all right, Phil's in on us winning a gold. A gold. Chuck, I'm aware that your family recently purchased a baby trampoline for your Indeed. son, Chip. So how yeah. long do you think it's going to be before Chip is ready for the trampoline at the Olympics? The girl who's competing, she was 15, right? In, in 2000, whatever you just said? Uh, no, at the Rio Olympics in 16, she was 16 years old. She okay, placed 15. 16. So Chip, if he becomes a trampoline prodigy, which I got to tell you, after two weeks, I don't know if he's going to be... <laughs> Olympic quality. Maybe daddy will have to throw him off the roof onto the trampoline and just see how he can correct that. Uh, he loves the trampoline. I, I don't know if he'll be ready in 10 years, but maybe 14 years because they're every four years. Maybe in 14 years, uh, he might have a shot. But yeah, he, he's a big fan of the trampoline. Uh, is there a net around the Olympic trampoline? <laughs> no. Like chips? So. Because no. if there is not. <laughs> all right. We're going to have no, I'm going to cut, cut the net down tomorrow. He's going to sink or swim for real. Excellent. I can't wait to see Whitney's Instagram videos of him operating on the trampoline with no net. Please be careful with your son. And I, and just let him know that there is plenty of podcast sponsorship opportunities for him. If he ever makes a run at the trampoline event in the Olympics, because <laughs> we still need a man. We still need a U.S. male to get there and, and to win us some hardware. But fellas, with that, we are going to close out our on the road segment. Take our final break and head off the field. This week's episode of Unprofessional and Unprepared is brought to you by Soup. Warm, delicious, and perfect on a cold day or evening. Soup is the soft, wet meal in a bowl that says you are either a small child or moving past the center line of middle age. Like warm tea, but with chunks. Soup is that easy-to-digest and hydrating meal that you probably never thought about eating in your 20s and 30s, but sounds like a great treat as 40 starts to enter the rear view mirror. Is it Friday night? Great! Grab your sweats, a knit blanket, and turn on your favorite sitcom about being a parent. But don't forget your soup. 
Welcome back, fellows, to our final segment. We'll head off the field and we'll start with Val Kilmer. This week at the Cannes Film Festival, he released a documentary that he created of home movies that he made throughout his life and throughout his career while he was on set filming movies. It'll start streaming on Amazon on August 6th. So a Val Kilmer stat line, somehow he was Iceman and Top Gun, Jim Morrison in The Doors, and Doc Holliday in Tombstone, which are three really distinct characters, all of whom were fantastic. I think Doc Holliday might still be in my top five movie characters of all time. His worldwide box office gross from all of his movies combined is over $2 billion. His first on-screen role was an ABC after-school special called One Too Many. Please, please, please take the time to watch the trailer on YouTube. Go look it up as soon as we're done recording tonight. It's fantastic. It's about like the dangers of teen drunk driving. And I'm fairly certain he runs down one of the girls who is in St. Elmo's Fire in like a neighborhood development because he'd been drinking too much. Uh, he also played Batman and he started in Real Genius. And then about 10 years ago, he really disappeared. I think everybody knows now, but at the time it wasn't revealed that he was going through throat cancer and was really sick for a long time. Chucky, are you interested in seeing Val Kilmer's documentary? I am extremely interested because to me, his portrayal of Doc Holliday is probably my top five tombstones in my top five movies ever and it was on this weekend uh, and it's been on uh, and every time it's on i sit down and watch it and i keep watching the same parts and my wife has yet to see it it's the only thing i asked for by the way for my birthday was for her to watch tombstone with holy me cow because i haven't seen it in a long time and she said like uh, she made a remark about killers like what's wrong with him he looks terrible like he's a lunger i'll explain later uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, i'm super into this because it sounds like he took a lot of time and it was a guy who was on like a superstar trajectory. He played Batman for shit's sake. And yeah. the Saint is a highly underrated Val Kilmer yeah. movie. Yeah, yeah. Agree. hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. So yeah. like, it's a guy as we grew up, he became more famous and more famous. So I'm, I'm super interested to see like what he put together, not like fat Val Kilmer towards uh, like 10, 15 years ago, but like in his prime, I want to see the behind the scenes stuff that he put together for all those movies. What about you, Phil? Yeah, I'm definitely interested. I, I behind the scene footage of some of the, most iconic films in our lifetime would be really cool to see, right? Like I want to see how many times he, he just blasts Tom Cruise in the face with a volleyball during that scene. <laughs> like that, that's gotta be worth it right there. Right? I'm not sure there's any guarantee that that's in the movie, but oh, hopefully, <laughs> but hopefully, right. Yeah. I'm going in hoping anyway. Uh, and then, yeah, I, I agree with you guys. Tombstone is one of my favorite movies of all time. I've seen that movie probably more than any other movie <laughs> ever in my life. Uh, and his role in that is so, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to line up to see that. I'm very interested in seeing it. I'm, I guess I'm just concerned that I'm not ready to handle like the downturn in his life when he got sick and stuff like that, because he was to me, he was he was like a huge actor. And it's kind of weird how the the movie has been billed and advertised as hey, a behind the scenes look at a guy who didn't quite reach his potential. Because I say, well, wait a minute, the guy, the guy was in Top Gun. He was in Tombstone. Like people forget that Doors movie was was huge when it came out. Oh, yeah. I felt like the guy was a, a really accomplished movie star by the time, you know, by the time you got to like the 2000s, 2010s and stuff like that. So I'm not quite sure why people are pitching it that way, but I, I want to see it. It's just a shame that the, that he went through some of those health issues because he's still a you know, was still a pretty young guy actor wise when, when that was going on. So Phil favorite Val Kilmer movie line. Oh, 
well aren't you glad i went to phil first chuck the <laughs> yeah man i am um, all the top the top three in my head are from tombstone so <laughs> let's yeah pick, yeah let's yeah. pick one I'll, um, I'll be honest i went through a list too and everyone that i picked was from tombstone too <laughs> yeah i there are so many good lines in tombstone i, I you know proceed it's one word one word <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and all he's doing is getting his uh, his a shave right he's at, he's yeah, at the barber yes. yep yeah the cowboys roll through he stands up says some iconic line that is way more important than the word proceed but then looks at and turns around and just says proceed and it's one of the best lines ever uh i'm your huckleberry of course yeah you know yeah. amazing I'm, I'm your huckleberry is the line that i think proceeds proceed yeah, Precedes, yeah proceed yeah yeah but there are so many like i don't know that there's a line he utters in that movie that isn't awesome even when he's dying even when he's dying yeah. uh, spoiler alert sorry for those the listeners that came out in like 1994 yeah, <laughs> yeah. chuck what about you favorite val kilmer line it's super rough because I'm almost looking at it. It's obviously going to be in Tombstone, but the problem is seeing Tombstone again recently and, and sitting down and watching it, I'm realizing his lines are like Counting Crow songs to me, like my favorites change. So where most people would say like, oh, I have, you know, you're seeing Doe, I have two guns, one for each of you. Yeah. yeah. It's like the nuanced stuff, like Phil just said, rewatching it and seeing that first interaction with Ringo. And yeah. he says, I don't know what it is. It's something about you that reminds me of me. And then he like a few lines later says, oh, I definitely hate him. Yeah. And I was like, this is really great. Um, yeah. But yeah, it, it's something in, in there. Uh, it's just like that little nuanced stuff lately. Yeah. Mr. Ringo is an educated man. Now I really hate <laughs> now him. Now I really <laughs> hate him. Yeah. Oh, um, I agree with everything you guys are saying. I think I could have used every line from the scene where he kills Ringo. But when he walks in, he's like, why Johnny Ringo? It looks like somebody just walked all over your grave. Oh, man, that was fantastic. I don't, it's an interesting question is, would he be a superstar actor if he had done nothing else but play Doc Holliday in Tombstone? I, I think I'd still say this. That was one of the most iconic roles I've ever seen done in a movie. August 6th, check out his documentary coming out on Amazon every Saturday and Sunday afternoon on TNT or TBS. You can watch Tombstone. <laughs> Paramount, actually. Oh, is it on Paramount now? Okay. on Paramount recently, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Chuck. <laughs> sure. All right, moving on to a very serious topic. And I think probably the topic we are most qualified for to give out advice to the rest of America. There is currently a buddy crisis in America. Coming out of the pandemic, getting back to regular social lives, a recent study came out that showed that American men are going through a friend recession. The percentage of men with at least six close friends reportedly fell from 55% to 27% since 1990. That means it cut in half, basically. The percentage of men without any close friends, think about it, without any close buddies, jumped from 3% to 15% in the last 20 years. So I think we're uniquely qualified to give advice here. Anyone who's been listening to this show for even a little bit knows that we've been friends since we were 15. We still roll deep with eight guys in our friends group. Nine if you count Casario. That's always <laughs> tough because he's so shitty. Um, uh, I have no idea where Doug Moore is, but he's always welcome back to be our 10th if he's around. I think we know a lot about this subject in particular, and I think we can help American men through their buddy crisis. But the first step in making a plan here, fellas, is we've got to recognize what we can't control. So I want to kind of put some focus on who I, who I think we can help. 
Because if you're between the ages of 35 and 55 and you're married with kids and you have no buddies, I don't think we can help you. I mean, you're, you're basically stuck until you go into a retirement home and you make friends with the guys there because you're just hanging out with your wife and kids all the time. If you've never had any friends, I, I don't think we can help you. I think we've got tips for helping people stay together. We can't fix your personality. I think that we've got to talk about maintaining a group of friends, which is pretty hard as you get older, rather than starting from scratch. I, I don't know. And you guys tell me if I'm wrong. I'm not sure I know anybody who is created out of nothing, like a really good group of guy friends when they were in like their thirties or forties. Can't imagine. No. Yeah. No. I, I don't know anybody. You guys don't know anybody either. Perfect. No. Where I think our wheelhouse is and where I think we can have an impact is men between the ages of 25 and 35 who are either single or married with no kids yet. And they have a group of friends or have been with a group of friends, tight with a group of friends within the last like three or five years. Is that narrow enough for us guys? Yes. Okay. Yep. I've got a couple ideas that we're going to run through, but then I really want to hear what you guys have to say too. Cause I know you guys have opinions on all this as well. Tip number one, use technology, not social media. I think social media is a shit way to stay close with friends, but a really active text group is fantastic. Um, there are nights when we are all watching the same game at the same time, texting each other throughout the game. And it's a blast. It's almost like we're there together. So Phil, what do you think? Using technology like that, an important aspect of maintaining good buddy relationships. You put it perfectly. I, it's using technology, but not necessarily social media. It's the active text groups, FaceTime, the house parties, the whatever, just to keep connected yeah. At a time that, you know, even forget the pandemic, even at a time, there's times where we had the eight to 10 of us spread all over this country. So um, yeah, absolutely use that technology going forward. I think an important aspect is to maintain running jokes. I'll just throw a few out there. You guys could do with what you wish with these. <laughs> Everybody hurts. Burke lives in his basement. Miller's got a tiny bladder. Those are the first three that came to mind for me. <laughs> seem to be repeated on a pretty regular basis. Chucky, any thoughts? The study you're talking about, I did on air this week. Get out of here. It. I did. Yeah, I read it yeah. and it, it led me to two different things. I couldn't believe it. And then I realized how lucky I am to have yeah. this many close friends for this long. You're talking about callback jokes. We have some that are 20 years old that yeah. you can say them at any point to any one of us. And we all get them. It is important that we are able to poke fun of each other, never take it personally and be able to laugh at ourselves in a group setting. It's essential. That's what almost God most of our relationships were built on making fun of each other. Yeah. And then the love just kind of comes along yeah. after that. I guess. So, yeah. I guess I'll throw your broken nose in there too. That was a good one. You should. Yeah. That's a great yeah. callback. And I'll I'm, be forever calling that back. Cause I can't breathe through the fucking thing. Because of you. <laughs> and I would love to recap the, like the facts behind everybody hurts because in retrospect now it's really, really funny, but we'll yeah. move on from yeah. that. It's yeah. really funny. I'm going to plead the fifth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Regular events, trips, holidays. And I know Denko for a while, you and Miller were doing like your wing nights where you're, you were going around to different bars in town and, and having wings like once one night a week. I think those regular events are super important. Although wing night didn't end super good for you guys, Phil, but uh, what, what do you brought think? it back? We're back. We're back. You're back. Yeah. We, oh, that's we, fantastic. we, we hit one the, the night before the Millers traveled up to Michigan to see you guys. Cool. So yeah, we're going to, we'll, we'll start that up again. And you know, try to make better decisions. 
<laughs> so let's leave it at that and still enjoy the wing night. Um, yeah. But yeah, I agree 100%. I, I think the, all right, the annual trip is, is, is fantastic, right? That's once a year, but, but even that, like that's enough. Sometimes that's enough. That's, that gives us something to look forward to. That gives a group of guys something to kind of, kind of circle around and focus on and like, all right, let's do this. Let's look forward to this. Let's plan it, whatever. I mean, that's a bigger scale kind of thing, but yeah, the small scale things too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think the holidays were always a big one because it's a chance mm-hmm. to get together with like your, your friends and their families, it's a chance to hang out with wives and kids and stuff like that. And it's almost nothing as much fun as, well, that's not true. There's a lot of things more fun, but I really enjoy getting to know your kids, you know, getting like to spend time with each of your kids and stuff like that at, whether it's a holiday or just a barbecue or something like that. I think that's a big deal. I think the toughest thing of all, you need your buddies to marry good wives. I don't think you have to bat a thousand. I think if you can keep a two thirds good wife to buddy ratio in the group, you're doing okay. And I understand that this can ebb and flow as relationship statuses change over time. But I think that that is, that's a huge part of it, man. Cause you, first of all, you've got to have a wife who's willing to let you do things like go on a trip or go out once a week and like have wings with your buddy and stuff like that. But it's important that the wives get get along and like do well together because if your wives aren't going to hang out together, it just means less time you're going to spend hanging out together. Two thirds too aggressive. I don't think it's too aggressive, but you're absolutely right. It's nice to see. I think the first time Whitney, it might've been at, it was a Tursic's wedding. Tursic's wedding. Yeah. First time my wife was here. And all I could hear was, I could still hear Tommy screaming from the tent, like somebody's little sister. (laughs) Yeah. Something like that. Uh, Something along those lines. But then at uh, one of the clam bakes was the first time Whitney was really exposed to all the wives at that point. And they were super accepting, you know, like, yeah, everybody has married good people, good people get along well with other good people. So yeah, uh, super important um, because it doesn't take long. It didn't take my wife long to realize how important my friendships are uh, with this group of guys that she would never be like, no, you're not doing that. Like, you know, like I wouldn't listen anyway. <laughs> you're not going on a trip. This year. <laughs> Bullshit. I'm not. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's super important. I don't think two thirds. I'll, I'll cut that either. part, Chuck. Don't yeah. worry. I'll cut <laughs> that part out. She, I don't know if she listens, but she doesn't need to hear you say that. That's just that cause complication. You don't need yeah. I don't think two thirds is too aggressive either. I think you're right on. I mean, those are just some some silly ideas I threw down or things that I thought were what I appreciated the most about the way we stay connected together. But what do you think is the most important thing for keeping a good group of buddies together for a long time? You started this section by aiming at the 25 to 35 year olds. My advice to that group would be look back at your friendships that started when you were 15 look back maybe for some people at your friendships that started when you were in college, you have this shared experience in high school and college that life doesn't present that again, right? Not, not in the ways that those things did where there was a a group of, of guys that had the shared experience and can develop both the ability to rip on each other, but love each other unconditionally like family. So I, that would be my advice. Look back at those friendships. And, and for those out there that are, you know, they're starting to lose contact with some of those folks, take advantage of some of the hints you, you just laid out there and, and, and get back in contact with those guys. Cause that's, that's what this is all about. That said, without a shadow of a doubt, think what we have is rare is, com- is just absolutely rare. I know a lot of other guys that I've met in college or in my career or whatever, and no one has nine to 10 close 
guy buddies yeah. like we do. Yeah. Not, it not just doesn't like happen. High school buddies. Yeah. yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah, that's, it, it, I don't know that there's a real good explanation for what happened there. It was just one of those things, right? It was the, the, everything came together and, 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 and I will say this, you know, you talked about the, the, the annual trip, the willingness of all of our wives to really accept that and look at that as that is something really good. And that, that is, that was always the case in my house, you know, despite the failings of my marriage, like that was all right. The trip is important. Like this is, I love these guys. Like, absolutely. You've got to do that. You look at that and you think it's just something that we pick up. Like we never left off. Right. Like it's an amazing thing. It's a wonderful thing. And it's, and it, it takes work though. I guess that's where I was going with yeah. this is I hear people say this all the time. Like, I, I wish I had an annual trip. Well, you can, you gotta, you gotta yeah. put in the work. Like you have to plan it. And we have never failed at that. Never. Yeah. And, and I can't foresee us ever failing at that. So Chucky, what do you think, what do you think the key is or what would you pass on to, you know, like, like Phil is saying a group of guys who are friends, but maybe our life right. is kind of pulling them apart a little bit as, as it does when you get out of high school and college and you kind of move on. You revisit the thing that got you there in the first place. And for our group, we all had very similar interests or we played similar sports or we liked similar music or we watched similar movies. We had similar sense of humors. You kind of go back to those anchors and and revisit them because we grew up and our personalities were pretty much established. You know, your personality is pretty much there by the time you're 15 to 17, right? But they haven't, none of us have changed. Oh, God, I hope not. Right. Like we, <laughs> no, <laughs> personalities there. Wisdom's not, but personalities. Yeah, I'm not I saying. Can't possibly be that terrible still. <laughs> oh, no, you are. Um, <laughs> you guys are really nice people. <laughs> but yeah, like the, the things that attracted you to those friendships and Phil's right, like how rare this is. And I, and I realize it as I, as I get older, because it was always there for me. So when I think about like, God, who's the last real friend I made? Outside of this group, it was like at 40. There were no yeah. real friends in between. You know, there's acquaintances, there's dudes you hang yeah. out with, you watch games yeah. with, whatever you work out with, whatever it is, but not real friend. So finding like what what led you to those dudes in the first place, uh, I always thought that the coolest dynamic of our group is that uh, we all get along really well and we can all hang out with you, whether it's in a group or in a singular setting. We all liked each other for these very different reasons, you know, like, and it all just blended really well. And I I think like, I am such a lucky man that at 44 now, right? Like I still, I don't look at us as like 44 year old dudes. We're still like 18. We're still immature. (laughs) We're still stupid. We still do the dumbest fucking thing. My lower back and all the gray in my beard. Uh, Yeah. Right. No, I understand that. (laughs) But like, like we have, we have fun playing bottle on stick. Like what the the fuck are we doing with our lives? Sometimes (laughs) don't ever take that away, man. That is a simple thing like that. The simple fun thing. And yeah, obviously I think you guys are hundred percent right. Chuck, you hit on a really good point that in our group, whether it's eight of us together or we split off into two groups of three or four, or there's just, you're just one-on-one with somebody, you're, you're still having a great time. You're like, this isn't an accident. This, this took work. Like, I think for me, cause I was one of the farthest ones away for a really long time living out in Vegas. Uh, it was, it was Tersic's bachelor party and wedding that kind of woke me up that like, no, I, I need, a, I need a stronger connection. And, uh, you know, I need to work at it. You know, I've got to start reaching out more. I've got to, we always talked about doing this trip and then we never did it. And like, okay, now let's actually do it. And so I think that that little bit of effort with, with willing participants goes a long way. And I think it's combination of chemistry and work and loyalty that 
hasn't faded for us in 25 years or whatever it's been. And I still really hope we all end up in the same nursing home. I think that would be a blast. (laughs) Be a lot of fun. Um, And I'm hoping that's where it goes. Hopefully we've helped out some people who, you know, are want to maintain those relationships because I, I love my wife. I love my kids dearly, but my friendships with you guys are not very far outside of that group. I know you know, we all feel the same way about it. And so I'm glad that we have this, man. We're lucky. And I wish other, I wish more people had what we have. Before I close tonight, I want to send my very best to my three kids because nine years ago today, Tammy and I finalized our adoption of Josh and Kyla and Skyler. It has been and continues to be an adventure. And I just wanted them to hear for if they, if they ever listen to this, I'm not sure if they listen to the show or not, um, but I wanted them to hear again, how much we love them and how much we love our little family and how happy I am uh, that they wanted to be Gerber. So Josh and Kyla and Skyler happy nine years from adoption day boys. We are out of time. I am out of questions for now. And we just did the entire show without mentioning the fact that USA men's basketball team lost to Nigeria. Nigeria, this weekend. you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Let that demoralizing realization set in for a little bit, but have a great week and let's do this again real soon. For sure. Sounds good. <laughs> How about Mike Brown is Nigeria's coach? Is he what? really? Oh, is he really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like is he Nigerian? <laughs> no. no. So, so but they, you, they, I thought, well, maybe not the coach, but you have to be some right to play. Well, I don't play, think the coach you do. Oh, I don't think the coach you do. Maybe so, that should be a rule, though. Let's think so about that. Like, Mike John Brown Candy is, should not have coached the <laughs> bobsled team from Jamaica. That's, right. That's exactly what's going on here. Mike Brown is the John Candy of this of this year's Olympics. I, they switched to the highlights of this on ESPN. I'm like, wait a minute, did did we really lose to Nigeria? And you know, they're they're trying to string it out, so they're showing it's a three point game. Durant hits the three, cuts it to like it was a six point game. Durant's three, on the team. The- yeah, yo, oh, we lost to Nigeria. <laughs> wait a minute, on the floor at the end of the game, on the floor at the end of the game, Lillard, Durant, like, all right, how are we not just hitting every bucket we take? Yeah, right? like, yeah, they go Who plays this. for Nigeria. I have no idea. Anybody uh, in the people, NBA from Nigeria? Yes, yes. The, the guy. That's who I thought. I thought the same thing with the Nigerian nightmare is going to come out here. <laughs> He's like 70. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but no, so there's a, the, the guy that scored like 45 points for Nigeria is in the NBA. Okay. He's a, he's a bench player and I never heard of him. Um, okay not the biggest NBA fan admittedly, but so anyway, so they're showing these highlights and all of a sudden I'm looking at the coach. I'm like, wow, their coach looks a lot like Mike Brown. And I thought, Oh, I'm racist. Jesus. Like, I'm like, <laughs> what? like I just thought that guy looked like Mike Brown. I am. I, what, what is wrong with me? Uh, but it was Mike Brown. <laughs> okay. So, okay. So Phil, not a racist, yeah, not racist. Awesome. Just Vince real drunk. Larry Brown. <laughs> Didn't he say yeah, Larry right. Brown first? No, he said no, Mike, Mike Brown. Brown. Mike Brown. I thought he meant Larry, Larry Brown. Well, my cool running joke. And then I realized that. Well, no, it still no, the works. The cool running joke still works. Yeah. Mike Brown is not Nigerian. He is not. Yeah. <laughs> Mike Brown, who coached. Neither is Larry twice. Brown, as far <laughs> yeah. as I know. Yeah. I, you're right. Yeah. It's they're, it's they're, remarkable that we can transition from such a thoughtful emotional conversation about like our friendship to this fucking idiocy 
in like less than two minutes. Uh, it <laughs> it's remarkable, it's but the it's the best part. It's what we do. <laughs> yeah, it's what we do. It'll start streaming on August 6th uh, on um, Amazon. Sorry. His first on-screen role was AB was ah, got all excited going too fast. <clears throat> I'm sorry. I got <clears throat> something in my fucking throat. One clear <clears throat> punches with her face. <laughs> What's the okay. problem? <laughs> and there was, there was a lot. This is frozen. Oh, he's back. Weird. Yeah. I lost it. Can you guys hear me? Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, you're yeah it's now. saying my internet connection is unstable. Hold on one sec. Let me check which one. I'm. Nope, I'm on the right one. Okay, so that was, I, I had you at, um, she was catching a lot, or she was blocking a lot of punches with her face, and you didn't think that was a good idea. No. Uh, I... <laughs> We're going to take a moment here while I find the text messages. <laughs> it's just the three of us. It's the pod. Group. right 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 okay while you're searching though i had every intention of finding an illegal online stream of that fight yeah yeah but I, had, I did i had went to a food truck in brew festival and, and you got I'm, hammered huh i'm not super good at drinking anymore <laughs> so i felt good i'm gonna make it but then i came back they didn't I, have any I, 40s there at the no, brew festival <laughs> no. But then I came back and my neighbors were out and I'm, I'm not really sociable, but I thought I'm feeling pretty good. I'm gonna go sit over there. And it turned into two more hours of not just beer. I went and got bullet because my neighbor likes bourbon apparently. And then this old oh, woman from across the street, bottle, bottle of tequila. And I'm like, this is great. Oh. So, and you had to drive to Cleveland today. Yeah. You, ch you <laughs> yeah. chased, you chased that experience with a, with a young birthday party. I did. <laughs> I did, but I had every intention. I, I can remember. I, I asked out in like a recliner and I woke up and it was like 12 there. I'm like, this is perfect timing. I think the fight's about to start, but I don't think it even started. I think I nope. saw Phil uh, might right have, about then, but I right saw Phil's then. text. Like there's still three fights left before. And I went <laughs> right back to sleep. So <laughs> well, I was trying to get people to jump on house party. Cause I can, I can reverse my camera and you can just oh, watch my TV yeah, yeah. on your yeah. phone or computer or whatever, and still hear everything, you know? Right. I was in the middle of like a great dinner experience where we ordered, we were at like a steakhouse and we ordered like every steak that like entree steak they had. And then we just split it among like the four of us. And so you got to eat like a little bit of like every of all like the big oh, wow. name steaks on like their yeah. menu and stuff like that. It was fucking great. And I'm probably on my way to bed and some pretty serious meat sweats all night long. <laughs> the time This fight was happening. I didn't even notice. I really classed it up tonight. I'm drinking red. I'm drinking red wine. This is a nice wow. Pinot Noir. Ooh. Nice work, Herbs. Uh, I'm drinking a Natty Light in an America can. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, that is an America. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. That is amazing. <laughs> What do you mean I'm funny? Funny like a clown? You didn't use you?